Welcome to The Mother-Daughter Journey, a podcast for women working through the tenuous transition of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. We know firsthand that the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most fabulous, yet frustrating, relationships you are ever going to have. Even so, we're best friends, business partners, and of course, mother and daughter. So join us as we share our ongoing journey and the lessons we've learned along the way. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the mother-daughter journey. Hi, everyone. We are so excited, thrilled, and honored, all of the above, to be sitting here with Clarissa and Joe Constantine. From the Parenting Connection. Got that you're so good at finishing my sandwiches that I figured you would. <laughs> True that. True anyway, that. so Clarissa and Joe, thank you so much for being here today. If you don't mind um, just introducing yourselves, letting us know a little bit of why you're here with us. And we'll talk more later. We're going to talk about the parent-tween connection. We're going to really dive into that mm-hmm. and what that means and what it is mm-hmm. and how awesome it is, everybody. <laughs> But first, we're going to kind of really get to know Clarissa and Joe a bit more. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And for starters, I'm Clarissa. I'm Joe. So we've got that out of the way. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Now you Um, all know. (laughs) Let's see. uh, Fun facts. We've been married. Well, we've been together a little over 20 years. Um, Between the two of us, we have more than 40 years of experience working with teenagers. And we don't have any of our own. And mm. people always ask us why, and we're like, because we have yours. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we are, we're not parents, we don't do parenting, but we know kids. Right. I love that. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's fine distinction. Fine distinction. Yes. Well, and oftentimes it gives us a certain remove, mm. you know, that yes. we don't have, as much as we don't understand the, the joys that come with having children. We also don't understand the emotional challenges that come with them, which often gives us the ability to be a little bit more impartial and be able to reflect like, hey, here's what I see without the emotional ties. It's an interesting line to ride. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So I'm going to ask the first question. Okay. Which is... Sure. What does the mother-daughter relationship mean to you? It's something that I wish had been better with me and my mom. Um, She passed about four years ago and... What's interesting when you're the daughter of, when you're the daughter in a relationship that is challenging, when your mom passes, it's not just that you're losing your mom, which is a a club that sucks to be in, but it's better than the reverse. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. But you're not just losing your mom. You're also losing hope that things can never be better. Oh, which is a very, it wasn't Mm -hmm. something that I could have ever articulated prior to her passing. But once she passed, it was really like grieving the relationship that we didn't have, grieving the relationship that I wish we could have had, and going, well, crap. There's no way that that's ever going to change well, now. Well, that process started for you even probably a year before she passed. Yeah. You, you know, when she was in the hospital, you really started to have a hard time <clears throat> when you started to think about the finality because mm-hmm. I think we both knew she wasn't coming out of the no. out of the hospital. No, from that home. So. But, you know, that really started way before her passing. Honestly, I think that's part of how, when she passed, you were good. In like, a lot you, of obviously, ways, yeah. you, Obviously, you were sad. You were, you were you, you know, the, the, it, was, it was gone. But it was kind of like, in some ways, it was almost a relief. Because, right. one, she wasn't suffering anymore. But, two, you had been grieving for so long yeah. that um, it gave you an end point for that part of it. Yeah. I forget what they call it. Almost like uh, 
not preemptive grieving, but basically like grieving yes. in advance. I forget yeah, the right. official term. I, I, it's funny. I did that for my dad. My dad was sick for a couple of years, and right. not that I wasn't upset when he passed. I was, but there was always this, like I've been like he's been gone for two years, right? He had dementia. He had been literally gone for two years. So right. Yeah. Yeah. But grieving is a very funny and finicky fellow where. <laughs> Like, yes. you know, and we're kind of under the impression or told to some degree that, oh, you grieve when somebody passes. That's, that's when grief happens. That's it. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's interwoven in our lives in so many ways. Right. Like Absolutely. you said, the, like having to grieve what couldn't be. Right. Anticipatory grief. Anticipatory yeah, that's grief. That's the name. Uh, <laughs> I can't get there. I can't see. Perfect. It comes back eventually. Oh yeah. So <laughs> back to your point of like, it's something that I wish... I wish we could have had a closer relationship than we did. I wish I could have, I wish mm-hmm. I felt that I could have talked to her about a lot of things that I see other parent, mothers and daughters, especially having a closeness that I was angry at her for a long time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so post her passing, there was a lot of anger that I had to process and thank God for this dude sitting next to me. Yeah. That he, he would reflect to me, wow, you're angry today. Have you talked to your therapist recently? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and thankfully, I, you know, you. we have an open enough relationship between us that when he says that, I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta Jamie. check myself. <laughs> right. I, I would literally be like, you need to call Jamie. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, for, us Gloria, for us, it's Gloria. It's Gloria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you talked to Gloria lately? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Okay, so if you don't mind pinpointing, if it's possible, what would you say are one to two things that really, when you say, oh my gosh, the things that I wish could have been better, Mm -hmm. what are a couple of those things, if you don't mind diving into that? So let me preface this by saying, number one, I think my mom dealt with challenges as a kid that in her generation, I mean, if she were alive, she'd be in mid-70s at this point, Mm -hmm. and in that generation getting help for assault, sexual okay. challenges, um, trauma. trauma, thank trauma. you, there's yeah. the word, yeah. that yes. Absolutely. Um, wasn't a thing. And right. so I think she experienced things when she was young that she, it was never okay to share, it was never okay to, ex- to discuss, it was never okay to seek support for. Right. And so I think that, ver- I know that influenced how she engaged with the world. Yeah, I mean, we say all the time when we're talking about this, it's not a judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we go through all the emotions. I talk about it on the show with my mom, right? The anger, Mm -hmm. the wish it could be different, the regret, the regret, the grief, all of it. But we're not looking back and talking about it from a judgment point of view. Just more like, let's learn, let's Let's learn, and let's let's change. Call spades, spades. Exactly. Yeah. And and what you just mentioned is actually. I guess, a a pattern that we've kind of come to recognize the more that we've talked to people and the more that people have opened up to us about their relationships Mm -hmm. is that mothers of of your parents' generation, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was not easy for them. Mm -hmm. And they, like you said, didn't have anybody to talk to. They Mm -hmm. weren't allowed to talk to anybody, even if they could, wanted to. to. I mean, there was so much... So much, right? I mean, it's like a whole, yeah. it's a whole can of worms. Really, Iraq, and you can it, talk about that forever. And it goes back to that, the saying of, of you know, unhealed parenting, like heals so that absolutely. You know. Well, and that's part of the reason that Joe and I are as open about the paths that we've walked from a mental health perspective, because the more that those of us who navigate mental illness 
discuss it and the more mm-hmm. open we are about it, the more normalized it becomes. So right. grounding it in the fact that I now recognize that that's where a lot of it stemmed from. My mother lived in fear and she parented from fear. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying to you previously, Kelly, right. you know, I was a good kid, not because I was naturally inclined to be a good kid, but because I was scared to hell of the, the wrath of mom, right? as it were. So I grew up in fear in a lot of ways of like, oh, if I step a toe out of line, oh, there's going to be hell to pay. Grew up in fight or flight mode. Very much. Mm-hmm. So can I ask, just to intertwine a question, because it's a personal thing, experience for me, that... Like, growing up in fear, was it a matter of, I fear that I'm going to disappoint, I fear that I'm going to get in trouble, or I fear that she's not going to love me or, like, want me if I don't toe the line? I think it was all of the above. Okay. Okay. You know, um... The answer is always D. All of the above. (laughs) It's always D. (laughs) Well, and I think what ended up happening, you know, she also very much had a mother knows best. Yep. Up until the end. Mm -hmm. Um, I know what's right. I, you know, I remember having a conversation when I was in high school where she, we had, there was an article in the Palm Beach Post uh, where I, I, we lived at the time, an Indian family where the daughter, you know, parents from India and, you know, arranged marriage being what it is in India. Right. right. Um, the parents still intended to arrange the marriage for their daughter and the daughter was perfectly fine with that. And my mother was like, well, that's how it should be because your mother knows you better than you do. And I remember going, ah. Oh, not so sure about that. Mm-hmm. Your mom wouldn't have picked me. He's not wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, just in, in an example, at one point, I, I think I'm the only person in the last 20 years that actually stood up to her mom when her mom was trying to put her thumb down about us moving cross country. Right. And her mom grabbed, pulled me aside at one point. I'm like, Okay, this what? is weird. This and she's is not like, be good. Yeah. And she's like, when you guys get to San Diego, Clarissa needs to have her own place. And I go, I think Clarissa's a big girl and she can make that decision for herself. Mm. Yeah, it didn't go over well. And I'm she sure. tried, I don't even, she tried to say something. She's like, no, no, no. She is an adult. She can make her own decisions and she can live with them. If yeah. you don't like that, that's not going to be good for your relationship. And she, the, the look, and then Clarissa's dad came, was, just happened to be coming out, and he's like, he just kind of... I would slowly recede. Well, he just, he just, he, I think he... Go to your corners. Her, her dad lived in survival mode for all those years because she was not always kind to her dad the way she should have been. Mm-hmm. My mother, that is. Not, yes. not necessarily. Right. No, I'm no, sure no, I no, had no, my no. moments. Clarissa's we mom, all do. Clarissa's but... mom was not as kind to her Clarissa's dad as she should have been mm-hmm. most of the time. And her dad learned a lot of very valuable in the moment survival techniques right. of just learning to, and it just observing this, like just distracting her. And they both benefited from this. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's one example where even as an adult, my mom tried to push her weight around about how I was supposed to live my life. You know, as I said at her services, I never doubted that she loved me or wanted what was best for me. But her opinion of what was best for me and my opinion of what was best for me didn't always agree. Vastly different, right? Yeah, that's that's probably more the truth. Yeah, Yeah. You know, and she would have, you know, it was interesting because it was always this dichotomy. She was like, you can... She was very fluent or fluid with the I love yous. Like, I heard plenty of I love yous. You're beautiful. You're capable. You can do anything you want. Mm -hmm. But here's the box within which you need to live. Yes. You know, 
you can only marry this kind of a person or you need to do this kind of a thing for your career or you need or oh you have a degree in audio and engineering how come you're not using it you wasted all that money Mm -hmm. and like a lot of judgment if I did things that she wouldn't have approved of right i.e moving across the country with a dude I wasn't even engaged to Ah, okay (laughs) yeah I mean it definitely comes we've kind of learned over time that it's a matter of the version of success that you know we're kind of told and and your mom was told of what that is that one version what it looks like like. and it is that little box like Mm -hmm. you were saying that is so it it does come from like you were saying it comes from a place of genuine loving and wants wanting the best for you so right that's one of the things but it doesn't always no agree okay it doesn't always in my work as a team mentor a lot of especially the girls that i've worked with it's funny when it comes to the relationships that I've observed as very unhealthy. Okay. Yeah. It's almost always father son and mother daughter. Right. Father daughter, mother son tend to be much healthier relationships. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. If I okay. did, I'd be a millionaire. Yep. Yeah. Let's go. If I could figure that out. That's that's like hey where's where's the pill that I can lose fifty pounds right yeah, right you know, if, yeah. if, where, where's the pill to kill to cure cancer the, the, if we had those I mean it'd what, be a better world but right what fun would it be <laughs> yeah. no that's not fair particularly <laughs> with mother daughter and again this isn't like across the board this is the examples that I've witnessed right right when it's not the times that I've seen it and go God that is not loving mm-hmm. just like in my inner dialogue. It, it appears much more controlling. Like, it's a... Mm. The mother is more... I think it's a fear thing that the mother is going to lose her baby girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ba- in so many cases, I've seen so many mother-daughters that I've worked with um, where a daughter is supposed to be mini-me. Yes. Yes. Um, not just... Not just mother knows best, but I think it comes from that same mentality. Mm-hmm. But it's a almost living vicariously through the daughter. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in father, son, but not nearly as much. And or not to the same degree. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's a different uh, type of mentality. I think, right. I think more when, with, with father, son, the I want you to be my mini-me comes more from the pride that a father sees in his father following in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. The, oh, yeah. Okay. The proverbial way that it's supposed to go, you know, taking on the family business, going to the same college, same alma mater, etc. It's or more with, of a pride thing than a it's, it's more, it, it seems like more, it, and I don't know why this just came to me, it, with the father-son it seems more of a reflective thing of the dad looking at it and just being proud that his son is doing the things he did. Right, okay. Whereas with the mother-daughter it almost comes off as more of a projective mm-hmm. thing of you're going to do the things. You know, it's the, the old the Jedi mind trick. <laughs> these, are, these are not the droids we're looking for. <laughs> if I believe enough, if you I are not, tell you You are enough. not the daughter I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> well, there's a can of worms. There's boy. a can of worms, <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I'm going to have a comment on that because it kind of just, like, illuminated well, for I, me a I little have bit. a pin, too, so after you're done with <laughs> that, we're going <laughs> to... I agree. I think yeah. the mother-daughter relationship is much more... What's the word I'm looking for? Complex. All right, I'll use complex since we <laughs> say it all our the time. favorite word. Men are simple. Yeah, then men are complex. Right? Thank yeah. you, George Carlin. But I'm, what yes. I've been finding 
in this work is there's two dynamics between the mother and daughter relationship. One is you're a reflection of me mm -hmm. and I stayed in this box. You need to stay in the box. Right. The other is I live my life in this box and you're not going to, damn it. So you're going to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Even if the child is mm -hmm. content in a box. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's there's so much mm -hmm. baggage, I think, with yeah. the oh, mom that comes. Mm -hmm. And that they don't necessarily have with their sons, per se. Well, and I think but I don't so really much of that. that is why I think the work that the two of you do is so valuable. And I know I've said to both of you, man, where were you or a version of you 30 <laughs> years ago? You know, because, you know, again, Kelly and I, you and I were having the conversation about like a mom saying, well, you need to do blah. And you're like, well, could you model that for me? Exactly. And the fact of the matter is that what I've observed is that so many folks parent either very similarly to the way they were parented yes. or 180 degrees exactly the opposite. And to your question originally about my experience with my mom, my grandmother divorced her husband in the 60s, which wasn't done. Like oh, my, my wow. grandmother was an absolute renegade. She went to saying. college. She went to right. chiropractic school. Like I idolized my grandmother because of so much of what she did where she didn't care what people would say. And she did She did what she felt was right. Go, go, go Larissa's grandma. <laughs> yeah. Right, for sure. But at the same time, I think there are aspects where because she was so busy working after she divorced her husband mm -hmm. and whatever, that there were certain maternal aspects of things that my mom also didn't see modeled for her. Right. And, and again, not from a place of judgment, but just from a, a yeah. place of facts. Observation. Right. Right. You know, that she didn't necessarily have certain things modeled, so she didn't know how to incorporate them herself. Right. And so I think, you know, that's where the support that you both give to folks, you know, can really help because I always say to, to parents, I'm like, look, as the adults, we're the ones with the fully formed cerebral cortex. Mm. Our kid, the kids, biologically, the, the frontal lobe of the brain isn't fully developed till we're 25, 26, 28 years old. And yet, as the adults, we don't act much older than the 15-year-olds no. do. No. <laughs> I feel targeted. Sometimes. <laughs> like, sometimes that's true. Yeah. I've definitely seen and done some of those things. No. No, mm -hmm. I, wonder, I also wonder with your mom and your grandma, with the way you idolized your grandmother, I wonder how much of your mother's rule-by-iron-fist mentality to you came from a place of feeling inadequate because you because you looked right past her to my grandmother, to your yeah. grandmother. Absolutely. And, may, and maybe she felt the need to be like poke 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 hey i'm here mm -hmm. i'm here pay attention to me mm -hmm. kind of like kids do when They're the not older kid is kind of able to take care of certain things by themselves the parents look at the younger yeah it's a good point yeah it is a good point, good point. see why i wanted him to be here for this yeah. Yeah. like Absolutely. I'm loving that you're here too, Jim, because like as a partner of somebody who, like you were saying at the beginning, Carissa, wish that they may have had a better relationship with their mother, you've been able to observe that, mm -hmm. right? And see how that's evolved and, and how that's affected relationships outside of Clarissa and her mom. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, thanks for being here <laughs> and giving us this person, this yeah, yeah. Perspective. perspective. Thank yeah. you. That's the word I was so looking for. So did you for. have a point before we move over to that perspective? I I did have a little pin, right? So this right. is this is why I'm also glad you two are here because you kind of go with our tangents. It's perfect. <laughs> it's great. I dig tangents. <laughs> is there a squirrel at the end of this tangent? Yes, yeah. yeah, so I'm all in. <laughs> so 
Joe, as you were talking about the differences that you've noticed between the mother-daughter and the father-son relationship and just how they present themselves, like the one you were saying, the father-son, it's more of a matter of, okay, pride of following in my footsteps, of like kind of honor, pride kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the mother, it definitely sometimes can be projection, control, and has any, have you ever heard of the doll theory? So it's some I it's actually something I want to do a lot more research on, but it is um, basically that parents are one of two ways when they have with, when they have children. They're either there's the conscious parenting of okay, this child is coming here, like like our good friend Galen said, <laughs> like coming we, through me, right? right. Uh-huh. Yep. They're not here for me, or there's the not so conscious parenting, and what it turns into is. A doll, like females especially, right? Because that's kind of how we are as when we're younger. We play with our dolls. It's how we think. It's how we socialize. It's how we're raised. And we play with our dolls and we are like, all right, this doll is going to be a mini-me. Right. And that kind of ends up carrying over psychologically into your relationship with your daughter. Mm -hmm. Right. If you don't, if you're not aware of it. So the, the children either become the dolls that get dressed up for you the way that you want and, you know, live in they the conform. box, they, live in they the conform, box. or they don't, mm-hmm. and they get thrown away. Or they get put on the shelf. Or they get put on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's the or, basis or of they, the doll theory. Or they recognize that conformity is the key to survival, and then as yes. soon as they're no longer under mom's roof, all hell breaks loose. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I'm really glad that all hell didn't break loose in my world because I recognized to a certain extent that conformity was the key to... Mm-hmm keeping things as copacetic as I could for a long time. But then, man, once I started to break out of that, and that's, I'm sure that's part of why she and and Joe never had a great relationship. And she never really honestly gave Joe a chance because she saw him as aiding and abetting, if you will, or enabling, enabling the the breaking out of said conformity, right. You know, enabling um, the rebellion. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, I remember to your point of like dressing you up like a little doll, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I remember my mom always saying, well, you're a little lady. You need to sit like this, and you need to behave yes. like this, and you need to speak like this. And it was like... Girls don't burp. How dare you burp? Right, like, right, right. And then, and then I marry a man who says, home is where you fart freely. Yeah. So... Oh, <laughs> you know, so true. Like, yeah. You know, it's... Home is where you fart freely. I'm one of the 0.1% of Rhode Islanders that ever leave. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I've, I've always been a bit of a black sheep in the family. You know, I had my troubles, had the stuff that I dealt with. But to your point, there's an aspect of looking back a couple of generations, particularly when it comes to, you know, little girls playing with dolls. Mm -hmm. By design, by coincidence, by happenstance, or having nothing to do with any, how much of that may have been early on the job training. Right. And the fact is, how much of our core beliefs are ingrained into our head by the age of seven or eight years old. A lot of them. A lot lot of them. them. There's things that are put in there at that point, and that hard drive is locked. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. no matter what you do, short of a frontal lobotomy, they're not coming out. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. (laughs) Boys at that, again, going back to being being a mid-Gen X, Boys played with blocks. Boys played with toy cars. Boys built models. Right. Boys mm-hmm. played sports. 
the boys who didn't do that stuff were kind of the exception to the rule. Right. Likewise with girls. Girls played with dolls. Girls played dress-up. Girls had tea parties. You played school. The girls that oh, went, play play went played sports were labeled the tomboys. Right. Yep. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any of the above. No, you're right. Absolutely not. And I think one of the things, that, like, we were so pushed to believe, even to the point of, like, what colors you would wear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I mean, boys even... didn't wear pink. Boys didn't wear even red or yellow. Blue, green, black, gray. Girls wore pink and colors and red and yellows and whatnot. And it, right. it's it's like, did we inherently just learn? Wait, those things are bad because what if I want to wear a red shirt? You know, just don't oh, go I, to Target. I, oh, well, yeah, don't go. Don't don't wear a red shirt and go to Target. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, just like how much of that without intent. Or with, I don't know, was basically early on the job training. One of the one of the things I've read extensively about, when especially when I was working primarily in athletics, was this concept of long term athletic development. Oh. And it, athletics or not, that's the applications of this. These particular books and works were written about, but it talked about the different types of development. And we, as a society, and I don't know if this is a worldwide thing, but definitely across the United States, we talk about everything's chronological. Mm. And the points these books made were about the different periods of development for children, but then also into adolescence, into teen, into adulthood. And if we don't acknowledge those things, we don't realize how much we're printing that we can't know, that we can't erase. Right. The good, the bad, and the indifferent. Right. Yeah. Well, and thankfully we're seeing some changes in some of those gender norms and some of those gender stereotypes, you know, where, you know, we're not getting as much of the, we're getting more like girls are being encouraged to pursue STEM, you know, and we're seeing more, you know, more girls are seeing female doctors and, you know, female politicians and female astronauts and female scientists, which wasn't a thing, Kelly, when you and Joe and I were kids, you know, and, and it's funny because it's almost like a, Betrayal is a word that's coming to my mind, like betrayal of your parents' beliefs, Correct. right? Because our generation, my my generation is, well, this is how you parent your children. And we are kind of, you know, perpetuating that, but also realizing we can't, right? right? right. So we're in this of, well, who are we looking for more respect from, right? Are we, like, worried about the youth and prepping them for this world and adapting to that? Or, you know how our parents are looking at us. And mm-hmm. so this, for our age group, raising children, it's like this huge, mm-hmm. well, someone, back, you know. Back to Clarissa's point a little while ago of the parents, people either parent their kids the way their parents parented yeah. them or 100, complete 180 yep. degree. Right. Each kid looks back at their experience when they are coming to become parents and they're like, they're, it's, it's an, almost an all or nothing. There's no... Yeah. There's no, okay, mom and dad did this well, they did this well, oh god no, not doing that again. But they, they don't, they, it's all or nothing, they, 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 they're going right. to throw the baby away with the bathwater. Mm. And, and you see it in a lot of different aspects of uh, behavior of all or nothing, just mm-hmm. pendulum swings, and when it gets to a certain point, oh, too far, too far, too far, it goes back. Mm-hmm. And the more we let it swing each time, the farther it goes the other way. 
Right. Yeah, and really where we where we need to be is kind of right in, in, the, in middle. the middle. Right in the middle, in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah I've, I mean, can't say how many times I've heard I'm going to be nothing like my parents. And it's like, well, I'm sure there are some aspects that you can walk away from that you would like to... You're alive. They <laughs> yeah. did something. They did something right. 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 Exactly. So like, well, yeah, and it's the all or nothing. It's interesting that I look back at my experience, you know, like I said, it's been a little over four years now since my mom passed. And having moved through a lot of things and learned a lot of things, I recognize, honestly, that a lot of things that I faulted her for, like not being able to meet me where I was, I did the same thing back to her. Yes. You know, I couldn't meet her where she was at the time. I still had this idea of, but you're my mom. And like, why can't you be the mom that I want you to be? And it's, I realize now that it's, it's not even that, why can't you be, but she couldn't be because of. The limitations that she had because of her experience. Yeah, because of XYZ, right? right? You know, it's like expecting a, a quadriplegic to go run a marathon. Like, that is just physiologically not going to happen. You know right, what I mean? Right. And, like, especially with mental health and trauma and PTSD and whatever, it's so hard to see because it's all internalized. And we can look at this person and be like, but why can't you get out of bed? But why can't you do this? And that's a lot that I've learned, actually, from our experience as well, you know, of going, oh, it's not that you don't want to get up and do this. It's that physically you can't right now. And it's not that your body won't work, but that there's something going on inside the brain that the communication from the brain to body isn't happening the way that I wish it would or that I wish it could. And so, you know, there are definitely times that I wish I had a better understanding of what her actual limitations were that I didn't see until after she passed. And that's part of the open communication, right? That's something that we're hoping to change. Mm-hmm. You didn't talk about that. Right. But, but now it's like, run. let's, it now did. we are. Right? Totally let's did. talk about that moving forward. Well, and that's one of the things people say to us, you know, like, how come you guys have such a solid relationship? And it's because, like, we're being brutally honest with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been having a rough time the last few days. Like, the last last night, I actually wasn't in tears. But two or three nights prior to that, I was. We're not afraid to have the hard conversations. Right. right. They and suck. He, they, Don't oh, get me yeah. wrong. They right. suck. They're, they're, I mean, they're hard conversations for a reason. But we we don't enjoy them. But we're not afraid to have them. Well, you well, can argue like, it's harder not to, too, sometimes. It is. It is, but, but like not this, in the moment. The other right. night, you know, I made some comment. And he looked at me. He was like, that's really not a fair statement to say. And, in fact, that was really rather bitchy of you to say. And I was like, what? Okay. But she had nothing to say back. Because I knew, right? You know, but but because I trust him enough, Mm -hmm. and we've had those hard conversations, and we've maintained that open communication enough, where I've looked at him and I've said pretty much the same Same thing, thing. right? You know, and he had nothing to say back to me, right? You know. But I said something anyway. Yeah. I would too. And that's the difference. (laughs) You know, but like we do maintain that, and my mother and I totally didn't have that. She couldn't acknowledge her own limitations. Yes. Nor could I acknowledge mine. Right. So. Let's stay on the same theme, but just how did that affect, do you feel it affected you moving forward in other relationships and just how you showed up? The fact that your relationship was, that you wanted something different, right? You felt you needed something different. I honestly didn't realize I wanted something different until well into our marriage. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, well, okay. I take that back. Yes, I wanted something different in my relationship with her, but part of this... That could have been taken the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was the consummate people pleaser for a very, Uh very, very long time. (laughs) Whatever the person I was dating was interested in, 
I was interested in, whether oh it was God. cars oh, or whether it was... I can tell you how many WWE things I watched. I was like, I've been there, yeah. Anyway. Yep. So I was definitely like, oh, sure, we can go do what you're interested in doing. I'm fine with that. I didn't speak for myself. I didn't I didn't know how. Right. Because, right. you know, what I wanted wasn't important. At least that's what I learned. That That's the message that landed in my brain. I'm sure that's not the message my mother intended. Right. But from experience, that's what I learned was true. And honestly, it wasn't until well into our relationship that he was like, I think it was probably after we moved to San Diego, he was working on a construction site as an engineer and he was like, I was working from home. And one Friday he's like, I'm going to go out with some of the guys from work. And I was really pissed. I'm like, you've been at work all week. We haven't had a chance to hang out. And you want to go hang out with people that you've been at work with all week. You don't like want to come home to me. And he's like, no, it's not that I don't want to come home to you, but I want to have a life of my own too. Right. And he pushed me to go find my life as an individual. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what I want matters. Oh, like, it's okay for me to go have a girl's weekend. It's Mm -hmm. okay for me to not just be available for you anytime that you want. Mom, get away. (laughs) (laughs) You know. And now it's can, just... Can I pack the bag for you? Go, go for a couple of days. <laughs> you know, and it's like, Whoa. it sounds awful maybe to some people, but like I live my life and he lives his life and we're together because we want to be together, not because we feel obligated to each other. Honestly, me five years ago would have been like, wow, okay, that's weird. But me yeah. now, I'm like, that's heaven. That sounds wonderful. Well, and it's, it's what we talk about with the mother-daughter relationship too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like... You're supposed to be living your life, not right. the life that you think I'm going to approve of. And we should be able to each live our own lives and come back and right. have right. a relationship. And to kind of bring it back around to what you were saying earlier too, Carissa, as a little shout out to the daughters out there, the moms have a right to live their life too, even 100%. if it's not, you know, 100%. The, the, mom, the mom that you need, like you were well, saying, right? Well, and here's what I'll even go so far as to say. You don't just have a right to live it. You have a responsibility to live yes. it. Yes. Because yep. if you make your life all about me, then you're projecting responsibilities onto me that aren't mine to bear. Yes. Well, also, you're projecting onto you that you're not capable of navigating your own life. I've had to rearrange mine to navigate yours because it's something you're not capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was one of the things that I think my mom struggled with is, you know, she didn't have much of her own after I left, left the nest, as it were. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a musician. She would play, you know, she played violin. She'd play in some community orchestras and whatnot, but she didn't, she never had a circle of friends. She never was out doing things. She didn't have things that she looked forward to doing. Right. And then I'm off living my life, and I have to imagine she felt very vacant, very hollow, and very like, what's the point of my life? Because I don't have a life anymore. The epitome of codependency. Yes, and I can grab a word that was my mother has used with me, abandoned. Me living my life was abandoning her. Mm -hmm. Um, So, okay, so let's now, I've asked you how it's affected you. Joe. Yes, I was. (laughs) If you didn't ask it, I was about to. From the outside looking in, what have you observed? Clarissa was taken away from that mother-daughter relationship that wasn't so... Oh, that should be good. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't so symbiotic. I don't know what the word is, yeah. but, it, you know, each of you had something different that you wanted yeah. from the relationship. So, like, an, observ- an observance of what she went through, you mean? Well, 
just learning and unlearning, like you said, like you, it's okay for you to have your own life. Like, right. Like, what is also, she? How did it affect you? Like the things well, that she took from it. What did it bring to your relationship that you needed to navigate? There was definitely some of those same follow my rules or else traits that she had in in her at times. Mm-hmm. And, okay. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Calling her her mother's name once in a while wasn't always the best way to. Point that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it got. That's how but, we all do it, though. But it, but it did get the point across. Yeah. You know, yes. And, and, and yeah. nobody's ever accused me of being subtle. My husband used to uh, call me CJ. Yes, my mother Junior. Uh-huh. Yeah. Didn't go over well. Um, no. You know, but I could also see that she was fighting it because she knew it wasn't what she wanted mm. but she was also and again this this is years in you know and also years before her mother's health really declined in a hurry so she wasn't even really in that grieving process yet but there's parts parts of me that think maybe she saw it coming and maybe there's a part of her that felt guilty for abandoning mm-hmm. her mom oh, absolutely. Uh, sure. especially when we picked up and moved across the country. Right. Yeah, we had a lot of reasons why we moved across the country. Rhode Island, I've, again, I was, I was always a black sheep here. I just never, I was round, square peg and round hole in Rhode Island. I just didn't fit. Yeah. She never really liked it. When she, she moved here out of college, she was, take, she was trying to take a job in Boston. She took a job in Rhode Island instead. And she got, you know, as I call it, you know, Providence's Boston light. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's reason enough to try someplace new, so. Yeah. You know, and then I, I ended up in San Diego helping friends move, and I was like, hey, hon. So what I go, I'm moving here. I hope you're coming with me. Oh, so romantic. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the word I would use. I was going to say that's kind no, of... No, I was... Yeah. <laughs> he wanted you to go. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm moving here. I really hope you come with me. Because I, I knew I needed to get away. I just didn't realize that... I hadn't realized it yet. I knew right. I needed a change of geography, of scenery, of persons around me, of mentality, of all the above mm-hmm. um and when she when we moved like I said, that's where that conversation from earlier came up with her mom about when you get out there you gotta have her own uh, place right, right, right. and she was very angry when i told her about that i didn't tell her about it till later but mm-hmm. she was really angry about it and looking back there was a lot of things i felt that she very freely overreacted to her mother Okay. Um, almost like, hey, oh, mom, you gonna be that way? Well, I'm gonna be that way, and then some back to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can relate. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it Tasting was, your it, medicine, so to speak, but mm-hmm. tenfold. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like you know. Well, and I mean, I I didn't have good communication skills at the no, time. You same. know. Yeah. I didn't no. know how to. You learn to communicate from somebody who didn't know how to communicate. Well, exactly, right. which is just not successful. Who probably learned to communicate from somebody who didn't, who didn't know, know how to communicate. Exactly. Correct. Correct. I mean, right. Well, and I also didn't understand a lot of about her. You know, right. I didn't. She wasn't open. She never showed any weakness or any any willingness to, to discuss Actually, I think sensitive all she ever things. Showed was weakness. Well, that's the other side of it. You I know, think it's it the, was. I think it was that there was a lack of strength, and she was very aware of it. And she was compensating. In a lot she of was ways. compensating. And mm-hmm. there's, there's there's been a mentality. Ladies aren't ladies aren't gonna like this. There's been this mentality over the years hey, of. If a woman is mean, she's a strong woman. Okay. Uh, you know? Or that the strong woman's the bitch, well, if you will. The yeah. thing is... Well, that's... It. A, it's, a strong, it's one or the other. There's yeah. no just Well, here's the thing. A strong woman is somebody who stands up for themselves, mm-hmm. who can be their own woman, who can 
be comfortable in their own skin, doesn't need anybody else to carry them, to support them, to make, to, oh, you, are you okay? They, they, they don't need that. Right. I see a good number of women over the years who aren't strong, but they're trying to be strong and they misinterpret what that looks like. Yes. Yeah. And whether it's their intent or just the way it comes off, mm -hmm. it comes off as mean. Right. It comes off as angry. Yes. And I, there and was for sure a time too where that was the message that we were receiving is, well, to be a strong woman, you have to be a bitch. To be a woman in a man's world, you have to be. You have to right. be a bitch. Yes, oh, yes. you're you're a woman boss. She must be a bitch, right? It's like that. Right. Yeah. And, 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 that, and a truly strong woman, which she always has been as long as I've known her. Uh, part of why I was gravitated towards her. Watch out, he's going to say something nice about I know, I'm excited. I can stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, go, go. I, 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 I can stop. No, she's always been a strong woman, and I've said for I said for years and years and years that she did not embrace her strength. Mm. And there was a very significant point where I just I was always telling her how strong she is and how how much she brings to the table and how people respect her. And she just kind of blah, 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 blah. And then she was on a trip for Princeton Review in Texas for a training thing or something else. And she was rooming with this woman and they were talking. And she and the woman looked at her and goes, Whoa, wait, wait, wait. You're that Clarissa? That's awesome. <laughs> and it was, it was, you know, she it's called so me. Long. She's like, this is what you've been talking about, isn't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can, can, can you give yourself the credit you deserve? Well, and I think a big part of that, you know, to watch the point of like for so long, we learned that to be strong or to show up as strong means that we're, we're mean or we're bitchy or we're, we're unkind. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be those things. That's right. not who I am. Right. right. And it's taken me time to realize yeah. that they're not mutually exclusive. Like strength does not mean unkind or mean or witchy no. or whatever. It's just showing up and being in alignment. And again, I didn't have that modeled for me. And so I didn't know what that was. Right. There's you a know? fine line between blunt and mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. And some people walk it better than others. <laughs> no, but, but no, no, it's no. so true. People no. who are strong in their beliefs and their convictions can be blunt. Yes. Without being mean. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it may feel mean as the recipient of the blunt statement. Like the all oh, that's not fair, you it's kinda of bitchy. Right. You, you know, but it can be if somebody isn't strong in their beliefs and doesn't really isn't really confident in what they're saying, the only way you can accomplish that is by being bitchy. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well it's not matter, right? I'm just this really goes back to Learning how to talk in a different way, right? Not knowing how to communicate. Mm -hmm. So well, this has been like one of the best conversations ever. <laughs> so we could chat forever, right? Well, yeah. Well, except for that, we would like to talk about Parent Tween. Yes, so. exactly. I want to get to that. So everybody, Parent Tween Connection. I will let these lovely folks really tell you all about it because they are the masters, geniuses behind it. <laughs> and we wouldn't do it justice. No. They're, they're, talking, um, they're talking about you. But <laughs> whoever wants to go first, if Clarissa and Joe, if you don't mind just telling us now that we've kind of, you know, dived into the, the meat and potatoes. Sure. Um, give us a little bit about, like, the rest of your background and what kind of led you, what else you do and what led you to the Parent Twin Connection. Sure. So a couple of other pieces that relate. Um, 
my childhood, we also had some pretty significant financial challenges. And then, you know, Joe alluded to some of his experiences as a kid. He definitely had a whole bunch of tough times. Um, I'm grateful that he's survived two suicide attempts before he even got to high school. Um, but he still navigates some of the long-term effects of stuff that he dealt with mm-hmm. as a kid. And like I was saying earlier, as we've navigated mental health that we both deal with, it's given me um, a better understanding of what my mom's experience must have been. So right. that's been a huge learning curve for me. Joe's been a teen mentor for, well, working with teenagers in some variation for about 14, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, between the, the work in youths, youth and teen sports and the athletics, and mm-hmm. that just morphed naturally over time into more mindset and mentoring. It's been about 15 years now. And I've been an SAT and ACT coach for 25 years. So, like we said, we don't have kids of our own, but we speak teenager yeah. pretty darn well. You know kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Paratween came up when friends of ours were navigating some really tough stuff with their daughter, who was 15, making absolutely every decision you don't want your 15-year-old daughter making. Yeah. And mom said to me, I just wish I had other parents to talk to who, number one, weren't going to judge me or my daughter for the seemingly stupid decisions that she's making. But who could also give me guidance as to where to go? Who do I go to to find help? She'd gone to everyone that she knew existed and didn't know where to go from there. And so I remember the day she told me this was going on, it was like a lightning bolt. I literally got like chills from head to toe and I was like, this is my something more. I know it sounds like super cliche, but that's (laughs) what it was. And I interviewed her probably two or three times. I was like, dude, what does this mean? Like, again, we don't have kids. I don't know what it's like to be that mom going through the things of this age range. Right. And so she gave me some insight. And so what has come out of that is parent-tween connection. I like to say that we are where parents go when they don't know where to go. So when you're sitting here going, where do I go to find a chemistry tutor because my kid's failing? Or we're thinking about divorce. How do I find a divorce attorney? Or how do I find a mediator? Or I, you know, my kid just came out of the closet and is, you know, identifies in part of the, as part of the LGBTQIA community. And I don't even know what those letters stand for Mm -hmm. or whatever the the issue is that comes up. We say it's primarily, we primarily support families between, with kids between the ages of 10 and 20, but those are very loose edges because, you know, as you know, Kelly, especially as a mom, so much of what you navigate when the kids get to that age is based on, like Joe was saying, a lot of what we implant, implant beforehand. Beforehand, right? Yeah. So I say we support folks who have current or future teens and tweens. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So we have a family community called the Parent Tween Village, which is very focused on um, education, like to the point of learning what conversations we need to be having with our teenagers or what we need to be prepared for, like... What should go into a cell phone contract when I get my kid their first phone? All the way up to, you know, how do I navigate it if my kid says they don't want to go to college or whatever the case may right. be. So it's that's our family community, learning what to say and do as well as when and how to say and do it. We have a professional community of, you know, folks like you guys who are, like, who knew that a parent, like a mother-daughter coach team was a thing, right? <laughs> who knew? Hopefully more people will. Yeah, right. We'll talk about it more. Yeah. But. Well, exactly. that, that, that's one of the challenges. Right. There's so exactly. much out there that's not just, and again, not not knocking traditional therapy. Traditional therapy is great when you're ready for it, or if it's what you need. It might not be what you need. Exactly. But there's so yep. many other things out there that help the relationship dynamics, the family dynamics, the mental health, the physical health, the overall oh, yeah. well-being that people well, don't know exists. Like, right. we have somebody in our network, the three of us, 
who's a step-parent coach. Like, she specifically works with folks who are stepping into that step-parent role. Who knew that was such a thing? Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, there's our goal is to be like that Angie's List or the Airbnb of, like, here are the people who help the families. Right. Um, So we have the family community, the professional community. We have a nonprofit that our goal is to help bridge the gap so that when families say, hey, I'd love to work with the two of you, you know, but we don't have the money for it, we can come to you, Kelly and Abigail, and say, hey, you know, we've got a family here that wants to work with you. How do we make it work, you know, and help to bridge the gap financially? And we're looking to launch local communities so that it's not all virtual, you know, so that we can get together in safe communities and say, hey, let's have real talk among people that we know aren't going to judge us and be able to talk about dude, my daughter's being a witch (laughs) and have somebody that we trust, you know, be able to reflect to us. Well, maybe you are too, you know, is that what she knows? Because that's, what's been modeled. How can we help mom, dad, grandma, whomever model different behavior to impact the kids, you know? So it's, you know, we're living on the road now, theoretically, one of these days when our rig is fixed, that's a whole other story. Let's not go there. You know, of, you know, just, Wanting to be out on the road, build community with people in community, and just bring more people together because there's so much community for families of littles. Because we know they don't know Jack Diddley about littles. Right. But then somehow, like, when the kids are, like, double digits societally, we're like, hey, moms, you've got, or dads, you've got it all figured out. I I haven't met one yet who thinks that they do. (laughs) Like Joe is saying all those stages. There's a million books out there for what to do when you have a newborn baby. Yeah. You know, what to expect when expecting. You know, the new mom, all those things. There's a million of them. And part of the reason why there is so many of them is the fact that, by and large, obviously not 100% across the board, every infant that comes out of the womb is basically the same. Like, helpless. There is no programming. If they're a brand new computer, there is not one ounce of computer programming right. in there at all. By the time they're 10 years old, they've had 250,000 experiences. Yeah, it's, any, it's anyone's guess at that point. <laughs> so, right? you just took a bowl of chicken noodle soup and added hot spice battery acid, poisons, <laughs> dirt. No, I'm, I mean, in yeah, all seriousness, right, right. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a complete, there's, there's, there's no recipe in how this kid got from zero to 3,650 days old. And no two are even remotely alike. Right. So to try to write a book about, hey, here's how you handle adolescence. BS. Right. Period. There, there's, there isn't, there isn't one. So it, it really is a. The only person that can write that book is that parent for that child. <laughs> Maybe. And yeah. nobody's, <laughs> no, <know that. laughs> nobody's telling those parents to track all these things and to monitor all these things and to look at all these things and understand how their kid got to where they are. Right. But also, the kid isn't telling mom and dad about everything that happened to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Right. There's no. We talk about the mini-me, right? We, yeah. We're all thinking mini-me, but there's no way to be a mini-me because each person experiences life in a different... We all have different experiences. Yeah. We all have different lenses. Well, and a conversation so we had recently in, in the Parent Twin Connection Facebook group was like the, you know two, around the concept that two children from the same two parents yes, growing up in the, same two, in the same household have vastly different experiences. Like, Absolutely. I know... Twins. I, yeah. I can talk to Joe. Right. You know, his younger brother's only about two and a half years younger than he is. And wow, did they have very different experiences. But part of that's because the two of them, period, are very different people. Mm -hmm. But 
they have memories of the same circumstance that are completely different. Well, like you said, they're two, I mean, that's how it is for my sister and I too. But my sister and I. (laughs) Right. But they're two different people and they trigger different things Mm -hmm. in the parent. So they're not getting the same response slash reaction, mm-hmm. right? So of course it's it's different. It's just mm-hmm. there's no way it can't be. Mm-hmm. How can people stay in touch with you? Learn more. All the well, good number stuff. one, reach out to Kelly and Abigail because yes. they know how to find us. <laughs> yes, we can definitely, <laughs> and and we'll make sure you know how to find them in these uh, the show notes for today's yeah. episode. But. Um, we're on pr- almost every social, like all the big ones anyway. We're on you know, our website's Parent Twain Connection. The name has one T in there, so it's P-A-R-E-N-T-W-E-E-N Connection. But if you type it in with two Ts, it'll come to the same website anyway. We have both domains. We're on Facebook. Smart. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. We're on Pinterest. Not that I really, not that much goes out on Pinterest yet. Not really a Pinterest kind of thing. Yeah, but you know, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, So that's why I say we're on pretty much the big ones at this point. Awesome. So, yeah. We're not hiding. Thank you so much. This has been. We have one more question. Oh, Oh, that's right. This is when we ask. (laughs) I always forget. It has nothing to do with the topic. Nothing to do. We need to know what your favorite cookie is. He's a cookie monster. As long as it doesn't have nuts in it, he'll eat it. <laughs> well, that's not favorite. That's just... Oh, uh, that's true. The cookie is going to be chocolate chip. Come on. Okay. That's what I said. No, okay. that's not what I said, but... That's not what you said, no. Really? <laughs> really? It's not chocolate chip. Are you serious? I wish you all were in the room right now because you know the look. <laughs> Lemon Oreos. Lemon oh, but no, Oreos. but it, see, we're recording this right now at the very onset or like the early, like advanced ordering stages of Girl Scout cookies. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, so do we have time for a really funny Girl sure. Scout cookie? Sure. 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 Okay. Early, early on, you know, Joe established that I was living here in Providence. He was living here in Warwick. I had was just moving here. <laughs> just started a new job. And to date myself, this was before... Direct deposit. Okay. <laughs> okay. This was in the it day before it. Or maybe I just hadn't gotten it set up yet, but it was still in the time in my new you job that like I had to go to the bank to cash my check, and I had been looking for Girl Scouts everywhere because I knew it was Girl Scout cookie season, and this is just about almost twenty years ago now. And, and I try to avoid them. I finally found them in the lobby at the bank when I went to cash my check. And of course, I'm walking in and they give me their pitch. I was like, as soon as I cash my paycheck, I will come back out and I will buy Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> yeah, that's which I did. Girls. <laughs> no kidding. It was a Friday afternoon. So oh, yeah. I cashed my check. I bought a couple of boxes of Thin Mints and a couple of boxes of Samoas and went, went to his place. And we were hanging out for the evening, whatever. I was then up in the Boston area for a few days or whatever. And whenever I came back, I went to look in the pantry for Girl Scout cookies. And they were gone. Mm-hmm. We all make mistakes. <laughs> gone. I was like, oh, sir. Oh, bad decision. Small. Well, I mean, they, there's, only, there's only six cookies in a pack. I, I was just going to say, especially if you're talking Samoa. We're not talking the family size Chips Ahoy here. We're, talk, we're talking <laughs> True Girl statement, Scout. true I mean, statement. Nonetheless, I said to him, I'm like, okay, the Providence or the Rhode Island headquarters for Girl Scout cookies, or for Girl Scouts. No, you didn't tell me. You said I had to find Girl Scout cookies. Oh, okay. Again, we remember I, things I differently. Found yeah. Anyway. The headquarters. He found headquarters. He got there the next business day at like five minutes before five o'clock. Of course, they, they, fi- they, they, they close at five. 
I bet. Long story short, I was working late that evening. I was teaching a class and I came back into my office and there was a stack like seven boxes high of a combination of Samoas and Thin Mints. He only had a 20 and a, like a couple of ones on him and they had closed the computer processing or the credit card well, processing. I had, I had 20s on me and they didn't have the, cha- the, the ability to make change. change. I had to buy $40 worth of cookies, um, which is only like eight boxes. Right, yeah. But, yeah. but I was like, okay, he has redeemed himself. Yeah. I will see him again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Payment accepted. Yeah, Forgive exactly. yeah. If that doesn't tell you about like just kind of the, the fun that we have, there you go. Yeah. Excellent. So... Thank you, ladies, for having us. Thank Thank you you for joining us. And with that, everybody, we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Mother-Daughter Journey. Bye. Thanks for joining us on our journey today. If you liked what you heard and are looking for more, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on social media. But for the most fun, go find us on TikTok at The Mother-Daughter Journey. See you next time.